Why have I quit my job? Why have I, you know, bought a van? And, and why am I going to drive around the country? Well, I'm passionate about the idea that you need to be heard. And I want to stitch these stories together across the states. We're going to find the commonalities. And it's going to be really an amazing experience. And I look forward to you joining me on the job. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special edition. I can call this a special edition of Mental Health Today. Um, my name is Ken Stearns. I'm the host uh, of this show. I'm also the host and the creator of the uh, the Jar Podcast, which you just saw a little commercial. That was me about uh, about 16 months ago, prepping my van for the the trip around the country, 111 cities, 444 interviews, and you know, out of that, halfway through that, uh, really impressed maybe the right, the wrong word, uh, impressed with the mental health crisis in America. We had, you know, I left the country and things seemed to be okay 20 years ago. And I came back and y'all, y'all messed it up. And there's a big mental health crisis going on around. And as I traveled, I was just really, um, I was overwhelmed with the, the struggles people were having and not just the struggles they had, but the journey to get help and what that looked like and the timing of it. And, and there's just struggles with really getting the right help at the right times. And, and most people did, you know, I have to say, almost all the people that I talked to really did find a therapist at some point, And that person made a difference, you know, they, and, and a lot of them still in with a therapist. Um, so it is a, you know, this, it works. I mean, I think that's the thing we can say. And it's the system of getting people the help, um, you know, making it more available. Uh, you know, not crushing therapists with with back to back to back appointments um, and all the things that we see right now happening right now that are making it difficult. Um, so I started the JAR Foundation in hopes of, you know, finding a way that we can help uh, on the on, on my side, at least, and try to see. I've always been good at raising money and raising awareness. So I'm going to put my money raising efforts, you know, where my mouth is and see if I can do something and, you know, make a little impact somewhere in my corner of the world. Uh, with the jar and the travels uh, and the people that we meet. And quite often they are taking their experience and really, in some cases, cashing out on their previous life and converting everything into the lessons that they learned along their mental health journey to recovery and doing the work to improving themselves. So I've been super inspired by that, by some people just throwing everything away to go help other people. Um, and so that's also part of the reason. And it's, you know, that ongoing, you know, the ongoing conversation here, more than 50 shows now, um, LB and I met and uh, we had a great chat. And uh, I was saying, you know, this is something I, I kind of had an idea of is to have a group chat, is to really bring a little panel together of professionals. And I think, LB, this is great because it is uh, this this interdisciplinary or, you know, I know, is that the right way to say it? You know, with the fact that you've got all you've got a lot of people from one area but also different expertise. And I think that's just unique. So maybe, you know, why don't you guys, uh, you ladies, you know, I'm, I'm from Chicago. We always say you got, we were before we were pre-pronoun pre stuff. We were already had it in Midwest. We called, you know, we just put everybody, you guys. <laughs> the ultimate, the ultimate pronoun, like, you know, the ultimate just completely misguided. Um, so how about some, how about some help and some background of what you, Where's everybody from, not say from, but what do you, as far as a, your background or what you're working on now, I think your backstory less important here and more about, again, what you're currently working on, um, 
what you see in trends, both from clients and both from the support side too, as we talked a little bit about, you know, the insurance industry and the government. Are we seeing, there's a lot of talk, you know, there's a lot of talk on the government side, insurance side, but is there any action and change? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll go ahead and just start off um, with just saying my credentials. Um, <clears throat> I'm a clinical social worker, a certified financial social worker, and a perinatal mental health mm -hmm. uh, certified practitioner. Um, so um, I'm from Alabama. So I've only practiced in Alabama, and we are blessed in a lot of, a lot of things, or not great at a lot of things. Um, so that's where I am wanting to come in to, mm. um, like you mentioned earlier, kind of change in our past through experiences, worked in an outpatient medical facility, loved it. Mm. So like I had to shift and pivot through my experiences. And then, um, and so now as you're talking, you know, it's, it is that direct work with clients and, um, but also it goes deeper than that. And we know things work. We know things um, certain therapies work or, you know, what people need, but you have to prove it. So um, research wise or show to insurance. Um, so I am going to embark on um, some research for access to maternal mental health. So that's a little bit about me. I'm going to throw this to somebody else <laughs> to share who they are and how this is, you know, multi and interdisciplinary. <clears throat> Um, to Stacy, right? Stacey. I, I think we should tag somebody when it's yes. time. Anastasia, you got to go. <laughs> so, hi, I'm Anastasia Rogers. I'm also a clinical social worker, and um, my main focus is the um, more of the trauma um, approach. And mm -hmm. the reason that being just because, from my experience and over the years, I've just come to realize that a lot of coping mechanisms, um, more of depression, a lot of anxiety, a lot of that all stems from some type of trauma. And so yes. um, that's kind of the journey I embarked on, getting trained in EMDR, and that I found to be very helpful. Also working with um, professionals, um, doctors and neuro neurologists who do TMS and kind of collaborating with them so we can get a very holistic approach for our patients, not just mm. on the chemical side, but talk therapy and then the processing of the trauma and then, you know, the medication as well. So uh, integrative approach, but more focus, my expertise would be on the trauma part of it. Uh, and so TMR and TMI, what's a, give us a, a um, short. TMS. Yeah, sorry, TMS. Give us a short explanation on the, on that. So that's um, transcranial membrane stimulation. And basically that's what the neurologist will do. And it's really a new um, form of treatment where they put electrodes on your head and yes. stimulation into certain parts of your brain, which kind of um, triggers that part of your brain to do what it's supposed to, um, which then kind of sets off that chemical imbalance and balances things out. I've seen a lot of good research um, with some of my clients who have been doing that, but my focus would be on the EMDR. So okay, <laughs> okay, interesting. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Okay, you you got to tag somebody. You have to tag somebody, Andrea. 
Okay, fine. Um, so I am a licensed professional counselor. Um, so a, a little bit different training from both mm -hmm. uh, Anastasia and LB. Um, my training was more, I think, individual, um, just to kind of compare and contrast training mm -hmm. perspectives. But mm -hmm. I do uh, direct work with clients um, as well. And my focus is also clinically on trauma. I do a lot of work with what we call complex trauma, which mm -hmm. tends to be um, having multiple traumatic experiences over the course okay. of your life, typically starting in childhood. Yeah. Um, I'm also trained in EMDR as well. And I utilize that a lot with my clients. Um, I'm also sort of on the flip side, looking at another, I guess, side of mental health. I have a lot of focus on counselor burnout um, and just the ways that that impacts the field. Um, because if, if the clinicians are not doing well, then yeah. <laughs> serve our clients. We can't be there for people. So I'm actually getting my PhD in counselor education right now and um, doing my dissertation on uh, counselor burnout and um, recovery. And just oh, and looking that's at- And that's your dissertation? That's my dissertation. Wow. Yes. That's pretty good timing. You've got pretty good timing because I think it's a yeah. hot topic. Yeah. it's. Um, I've seen it. I mean, I've experienced that myself and, and I feel like just about every uh, clinician that I have talked to has experienced some level of it. Um, and it's really difficult. A lot of people leave the field because of that. And I think one of the big issues um, with like the mental health crisis partially is we don't have enough clinicians in the field. Um, so everybody is overloaded and wait lists and those kinds of things. So hopefully, you know, figuring out a way to help out with that side of it. If I do two jar sessions in a day, I, honestly, I need to stare out the window for an hour. I need to play guitar. Mm -hmm. I need yeah. to play guitar, sit out there and just like, like let my brain just melt. I cannot imagine what you go through seeing six patients in a day or eight patients mm -hmm. in a day. You are like, I, it's front line. You're on the front line of a battle. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're really literally on the front line. Rhea? Yes. So I'm glad that Andrea went before me. Um, because <laughs> Why? Andrea, well, because Andrea is kind of like the head of Hope Grows. And so I actually came to Hope Grows as an intern originally in my training. Oh. And I am now a licensed marriage and family therapist associate. And Congratulations. Thank you. And so I'm a little bit newer to the field. But as Andrea was saying, kind of like the differences between our different disciplines, um, the way marriage and family therapists tend to like visualize their clients is through a systemic approach. And so I think social workers do that too on like a larger scale, but marriage and family therapists see it as like the client is part of their like relationships. And so I see clients pretty much ages five to 90 plus and I also, <laughs> see, I also see couples um, and families. And so I kind of see kind of the gambit of all of them. I'm also EMDR trained because I find that having a trauma tool is really important yeah. um, in your toolbox. And other than that, I do play therapy. I do CBT, DBT, um, all of those fun things that I think LB and Anastasia and Andrea do as well. So just another way of visualizing our clients. What do you guys, what do you guys, what are you all seeing? Um, what change have you seen in the last few years? The clients, what, what, what's the, the biggest shift in 
I'd say the cause. I don't know if it's a cause or is it the symptom. I'm not quite sure what what at, way to how to ask the question. But what are you seeing the manifestation of of or or people coming to you that's different than it was a few years ago? I think after COVID, um, what I've seen a lot of is more people are actually open to seeing therapists, okay. um, especially male clients. Um, I think just being in isolation, realizing how much we need that interaction and how much we need to take care of our minds. Um, a lot of people have kind of been forced in some ways to see a therapist and then realizing that, hey, this is actually really beneficial. <laughs> actually, I'm learning. Yeah, this is actually a pretty good thing. Yeah. Okay, so it is, it's that you think it's, so it's some self-reflection, some time for some, and okay. Yeah, I don't, to, I don't want to say anything else. So let, I'll let everybody else kind of chime in. Yeah, I was thinking too, kind of like an awareness or a desensitization um, mm -hmm. that's occurred for the mental health field. Um, people that have said to me many times that they would never come to therapy are sitting across from me. And I'm like, <laughs> well, you, you made it. Um, we must be in Neverland. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's just people being more aware of what anxiety is things that they're mm -hmm. like, well, I've dealt with that forever. Yes. Yeah. But being able to put a name to it and being able to realize like, Oh, people do things about this. There's, there's tools a, to be. Learned. Yeah. Putting a name to it mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. And then, okay. Then I can find out what I can do with that. I'm hold, at least I'm holding on to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. JB. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so I think COVID really exacerbated um, a lot of things, mental health things, whether people could keep it under the radar. And then after that, it was just <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> really, I mean, you know, we need support. Um, and I think, I think also with that, the only one, <laughs> if you had to look at the positive of this virtual, being able to yes. do access um, into mm -hmm. all um, um there being resources virtually, which some practitioners were doing that a little bit before, but mm -hmm. not at this at the scale that it is. And so mm -hmm. um, I've had a lot of clients that, you know, they're like, I'm just trying this for the first time because nobody in my family, we don't talk about this. We don't, mm -hmm. you know, we don't, they don't, yeah. And, and in fact, on the intake, um, one of the intake, you know, part of the intake is like, you know, do you have, are there any family, other um, family, like diagnosis in your family. And it's like, and half the time I'm like, well, I know we don't talk about it. So people don't know, you know, we just don't mm -hmm. talk about it. So like, I'm yeah. like, this question out, but no, I need to ask. But, um, so, so there's that. Um, and then just isolation, I feel like, um, a lot more isolation, a lot more financial mm -hmm. stress. I see a lot of, in my training and opinion, I feel like there's a lot of things connected to finances or lack mm -hmm. of or management. So there's that as well. You know, you think about losing your job or um, addictions, you know, and things like that. So, um, so yeah, but I think it has been, there's not as, it's been destigmatized a bit. A bit. Yeah. Yeah. Especially I think, I mean, I think there are different parts of the country, um, different impact on the stigmatization, stigmatization. Yeah. And I think, I think it's definitely regional. It's got a lot. And then, culturally within different ethnic groups, different mm -hmm. religious parts. I think, you know, there's different depths of it. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I will say a lot of a lot of people, one, don't know do not know that social workers can provide therapy. So yes. I've had it multiple times like, oh, you do your what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a medical social worker. Um, but then a lot of people didn't know what therapy is. It's like it's mm-hmm. it was like it's medication, it's a doctor. Some of my clients think I'm a doctor and I'm like, no. I'm <laughs> um, you know, it's just you know, it's just like in this I don't know, it's just the idea of therapy is just like hardcore and it's really, you know, it's really, it is hardcore in a sense of like, okay, we don't have the answers, but we're going to talk you through your answers because you're the yes. expert trying to find it. And some people have like, <clears throat> hard time. Mm-hmm. Also, self, like, yeah, self talk is not a thing we learn. Mm-hmm. Also, like the fact that you brought up the minority groups. Um, and yeah. I think that's one yeah. of the, one of the groups that I've been seeing a lot of are, um, you know, uh, African-American, Hispanic. um, And again, in this situation, the minority group would be male because males don't. That's also, yeah, also (laughs) in your industry, uh, getting the men, I mean, let's face it, getting the men to come see somebody or to flip on the computer screen. And that's been a huge increase recently in the hush hush Mm -hmm. don't talk about our feelings, especially with men, that's mm-hmm. that's definitely taking a turn and especially the younger generation just coming yes. into yeah. therapy just to talk about relationships or, the, you know, issues with their families. And mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of that, which is great for men because we, we're creating a more um, secure future, emotional secure future yes. for our, our young men. Hmm. If they learn how to talk and communicate mm-hmm. their feelings, emotions. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Andrea? I think part. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say part of that. I think is a lot of social media. There's tons of platforms now. Yeah, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, within TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, that's raising awareness mm-hmm. of, you know, some things that people will come in and they'll be like, "Oh, I think I have this or that." <laughs> like, oh, well. I think we'll have to dig into that a little bit more, but it's starting the conversation. Yeah, it's good. You mm-hmm. know, and it's making people realize like, oh yeah, like there's a huge therapy platform out there um, on these different social medias. And I think that has also been helpful for bringing people into the office. Yeah. And, and yeah. helping people at least have some idea what the definitions mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're coming, you know, cause we all know, you know, di- I mean, if you go in to see a doctor, you've got a pretty good idea on some of the stuff. What, mm-hmm. what it means and what the diagnosis and treatment, but for mental health, it's probably a black hole for most people. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the difference between depression and anxiety? Yeah. I could ask a hundred people on the street corner of New York. I would, you'd get a hundred different answers. Yeah. Probably yeah. none of them and none of them. Right. <laughs> 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 Unless I ran into one of you guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so different for different people. It, how mm-hmm. it and yeah. this could be misdiagnosed in a sense of, uh, not understanding what. Well, I saw it on TikTok. I know I got depressed. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna um, have to con- <laughs> Gia's going to have to convince me otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Andrea, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? Yeah, I think um, I, I agree with everything that everybody else has said. Um, I think it's sort of their, I hate to say pros and cons, but sort of like a, a downside and a silver lining, I guess. Mm. Like, the sort of silver lining is that therapy seems more accessible now because we're we are 
pretty much every clinician I know offers, you know, telehealth services. So people who weren't coming in before, you know, they're able to come in now um, Mm -hmm. just because it's easier. You know, you can just log on your computer and see your therapist. Um, So that's really nice. It's also, it's been very much destigmatized in a lot of ways. Like mental health has become more of a mainstream conversation. And even, you know, like what Rhea was saying, when people come in with, you know, uh, I think I might have this or I might have that, like, they may or may not be right, but they've gotten in the door and they're having the conversation. Um, So I think that's huge. Um, Mm -hmm. So many people who are understanding their trauma history that they didn't really look at that way before, they didn't realize that they had trauma, um, but it's been causing a problem for their entire Mm -hmm. lives potentially. And hearing other people talk about it, they start questioning their own, you know, past and going, wait, actually maybe these things did have a bigger impact on me than I was realizing, and maybe that's why I've been having problems with my relationships or, you know, whatever it may be. So I think all of that is really wonderful. Um, I think on the flip side, though, I have noticed so many of my clients, like whatever they were dealing with before, it has been exacerbated just in the last few years, you know, with COVID and then, I mean, all of like political stuff and like there are a lot of systemic issues in terms of like getting access to care and not just, you know, seeing a therapist, but also Mm. say getting the medication that they need, um, having those referrals and being able to see those people, those providers in a timely manner, um, things like that that are really difficult. Um, And just like having to carry the extra load of all of this additional stress, you know, from everything that's been going on in the world on top of, you know, their depression or their trauma or their anxiety or whatever they would have already had going on. Um, So people just are carrying a heavier load in general. And I think, you know, so everybody's just having a harder time and that part sucks. (laughs) Yeah. And it's coming. And, and then I think you combine it with, I think what, what everybody else said about, you know, stigma going away a little bit, access Mm -hmm. getting a little bit, you know, like you're saying access. Mm -hmm. And so we see, you know, with the, with the limited number of professionals we've got to service everybody, uh, you see more, more demand, Mm -hmm. more demand. I think it's been about almost two years. It's certainly 18 months. um, President Biden signed a seven point plan uh, to address mental health. Um, A couple of the interesting ones, one was going, was, was integrating health and mental health into the health insurance practice and making sure that we've got this, you know, kind of dual, you know, this dual approach, right. Instead of, you know, it's cut for me, my, my 15 minutes in the, in the space, I'll sum it up to this, you know, which is we've got this really good health care system, which is really good at treating symptoms of other things. So after, you know, so we're, we're allowing people to let their minds, you know, destroy their bodies and physical ailments. Uh, mm-hmm. manif- you know, a lot of the stuff that happens in healthcare is a manifestation of something else. Mm-hmm. And a good chunk of that is definitely related to mental health. Yeah. Um, that makes but, me think about like the ACEs, um, the mm-hmm. adverse childhood experience. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me think about that. That is mind-blowing. It, it, it's, it's mind-blowing, the amount of, you know, and so mental health is preventative health. This is mm-hmm. really one of the only true preventative health that I know of. <clears throat> A lot of the other stuff is not really, you know, it's preventative health, sort of. But this is literally controlling your mind, which can make your body heal your body, possibly, mm-hmm. you know, or can make you obviously sick. 
Um, what are we seeing? Are you seeing anything? Is there a, are any of these initiatives kind of coming through the government? You know, like, a, are you seeing a tie to healthcare? Are you seeing anything billing? Is billing getting easier? Are they, you know, pushing anything through to make your job easier? Or is it, or do you think it's going to go the other direction before it gets there? I know that with, they had several projects um, and grants which were implemented at several um, uh, FUHCs, which are the, um, the clinics to help the underserved population, okay. Okay. which was aimed at um, more of a holistic, integrated approach where yes. people could get all their symptoms kind of symptoms slash causes treated at the same mm. place. But I'm not sure about up north, but in Alabama, the um, insurance part doesn't really pay out um, what they need to pay out. And so it's hard to keep, you know, the clinicians. Um, and so that a lot of the problem comes down to insurance and the insurance not working with the great ideas that we have. Um, mm. I, can, I can't speak for any other state, but I can speak for Alabama and how they've tried to implement it several times. Uh, make it work, but unable to keep clinicians because clinicians have to eat and keep a roof over their heads as well. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's it's more on that level where the barriers are coming in. Yeah, it's tough. I, I, this one worries me. You know, usually the government gets involved and it turns into a shit show for 15 minutes before it gets fixed. Um, I'm just hoping that they get it right. This I, I like the stuff they're doing, which is integrating the medical health in there, and then also bringing there's a push to one of the other things is that in that in that um, strategy is to drive it through employers, mm -hmm. is to drive tools and education through employers, and I think that's a brilliant way to go. It's a great way to reach a lot of people, uh, and people with insurance and people with money. So we can impact, you know, there's underserved people and there'll be a channel for that. Uh, but I think, you know, a good chunk of people with money, with insurance, with a job, these are really, and they're all in one place. We can really affect change um, through that if, if we can get it right, if we can get it right. Yeah. How about I'm, some other experiences? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, they have more negative than positive <laughs> yeah it's okay that's what that's what we want to hear we want to hear what's what's yeah, real i mean and i, I mean i feel like I, I feel like a lot of clinicians go to self-pay for their those reasons those barriers oh. and those complications whereas others um looking in they're like why aren't you taking insurance like well actually mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the easiest thing to do right and there's another option about <laughs> network and things like that but um or the super bill, but you know, which they can take to their insurance. But um, I mean, we could, we could have like hours this, of discussion about insurance. This is, this is yeah. This is probably a really long discussion. Yes. And I'm, I'm going to, this will be one I will break in. This for me is a, a panel discussion with some insurance people mm -hmm. um, and administrators. Mm -hmm. And maybe I don't think it's a legislator because they can't really, they're not effective, but, but business people. Um, mm -hmm. I, I will get on. This is one I think we can we can at least understand what the constraints are mm -hmm. uh, on why that. Yeah, let's keep going. Sorry, I don't want to. I don't want to interject. Yeah, Andrea, what you got, girl? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kind of with ULB. <laughs> I think I probably complain to these guys at least once or twice a week about um, insurance ridiculousness that we deal with, and and we're. 
I think in a very privileged position, you know, we're in a private practice. Um, so I think, again, like from the outside looking in, um, you know, there are questions about like, well, why can't you lower fees or offer maybe a lower sliding scale or, you know, take these other insurances? I mean, here we we really only take one um, and it's the one that provides a halfway reasonable <laughs> reimbursement. But even then you're having to, you know, get on the phone and, and figure out, okay, well, why was this claim denied? Or, oh. you know, you can only give certain diagnosis, you know, codes. And it, there's just a misalignment between what insurance wants us to do and, yes. and what we know is best for our clients sometimes. And, and it's really hard to have to make the choice between getting paid and uh. like, performing best practices Interesting. for your clients. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder if part of this relates to the the complication because I would imagine the billing, I'm an insurance guy, so I have a unique in, insight into this. I I would wonder if some, not your side, because I'm, I'm usually on the other side of your side. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, to, for, to be a different, to be, uh, to clear myself of this, of this crime, I'm a life insurance and health insurance guy. So I, I don't think we had, I don't think we had um, uh, therapy covered, uh, but it's like this insane, the systems and the software that they're dealing with on the back end and to try to re and fit these into the programs. And then, you know, at least with medical, it's like, I have a scientific diagnosis here. This heart mm -hmm. is showing these rhythms and it's within this bandwidth. And that's this kind of arrhythmic thing. And they're going to get this pill and this is the feat. Mm -hmm. You guys are dealing with a lot of like, it, you know, could be, maybe might be right. I mean, it's mm -hmm. not, you get a clinical diagnosis, but there's a lot in there. Is that mm -hmm. part of it you think is just, they haven't figured out how to deal with you? I, my personal feeling, and I, this may come across as cynical. Um, yeah. I, I feel like from, from the therapist chair, you know, we're thinking, okay, what, how do we sort of comprehensively like provide you with care for whatever you're experiencing? Mm -hmm. And so yes. with something like complex trauma, you may need to be in therapy for an extended period of time. Like that's for not something life. that you're going to work through potentially. Um, I mean, life. I've, I have so many clients that I've been seeing for years mm -hmm. and they are still getting benefit from coming in. We're still mm -hmm. working on new things. That's just sometimes how long it takes to work through things. Yes. And I think when you hold that up to, you know, an insurance company and you're trying to justify having, you know, hundreds of sessions potentially with this one person, they're going, uh, dude, like you should have had this cured <laughs> by <laughs> session six or session five. Like, why are you still seeing this person? Oh, um, <laughs> well, they're really so, yeah. nice. Yeah, we just we really love to chat. Um, I I really think there are some people sitting at the insurance company denying claims, thinking that that's literally what we're doing is we're just sitting and like having a cup of tea and like chatting with our clients and just like shooting the breeze and not doing like really deep difficult work mm -hmm. and like it it just it takes the time that it takes. Um, and I, I understand there's a cost to that. And I think the problem is they get tired of paying for it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's just hard to get oh. on the same page there. Yeah. Anytime you have a billing or a client like that, where it's on the extreme, where it goes very long, it always ends up on some report mm -hmm. somewhere, right? These outliers. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, and so at some point, you know, as much as the, as the clerk may want to pay it, you know, they've got a manager 
And then the man, they convince the manager. And then by the, you know, after it goes into 120, you know, it goes whatever the number is, right? They're like, we have four people in the entire, you know, 20,000 clients that are on a hundredth session. <laughs> you know, why it's cut them off something, you know, it looks bad on our numbers. Who, know, who knows what the, the logic is? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, yeah, it's okay to be cynical. <laughs> I, I, for me, I never saw, I never saw us ever in any of the companies I worked for um, ever have a policy of just denying claims or slowing claims. It was always about the whole business is to pay claims, mm-hmm. is to instill confidence in the system. Uh, but that was life and accident and health. You know, and this is a bit different, right? This is a lot of unseen stuff and and, and unknown territory. Mm-hmm. Oof. It's going to be tricky, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that's, I think that's where I'm at now. Just while providing that direct work, I realize how much research plays a part in whatever that, like for me, it's access to mental health, right? Yeah. So, so you have to prove and show, like we know these things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we have to prove and show this on the books, you know. Yeah, and yeah. That's, that's why I'm I've tra- I've not transitioned to it, but added it to my plate of like you gotta you gotta show the research so that there can mm. be. That's just how I, I, if it was my way, I mean I this, that is obviously the safest way, of course. But it takes years, you know. To yeah. Make- Interesting. Very tough spot, right? Very yeah. tough spot. Okay, so that's a change. Anybody else want anybody else seeing anything different on the government side or the insurance side or, or any improvement or anything getting worse? Any other thoughts for it kind of social workers can diagnose in Alabama now. Really? Okay. Yeah, that was, I guess, I mean, time, I, I, you know, maybe a few weeks ago, I can't remember. I should know a specific day, but. Um, well, that's, yeah, that's pretty good because you're now, cause I was, this is comes back to my, Question, my point of my question, which is, you know, very difficult to put an actual diagnosis on something, yeah, you know, like question. relative yeah. to a medical condition. Mm-hmm. And so here now they're saying, okay, you don't even have to be a doctor. We recognize your ability to say this person's in depression. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes, that's great. So that's, that is. That's great. That's like yeah. big. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Would you have to refer somebody before? For that, like, if- I would gave well, it de- depends on what it is. We would give diagnostic impressions. Yeah, impression. Okay. Yeah, and then you know we would say, well, you know, and we can't um, uh, prescribe, of course. Yes. So yeah. That you know we'd refer out, but yeah, I mean, if it was like, you know, we don't, at least here, you know, if you are filing for disability, we don't, so, you know, we can't include mm. that, um, or we, you know, we don't um, add, we'll support and help, you know, get you people you need mm-hmm. to contact you know with your experience but um yeah i mean we would definitely refer out with them what it is it was comments i don't know if you're looking at the comments but they are kind of bananas we got some people we're, we're, we're being i think we got invaded by somebody from greece mm-hmm. and milan we got all kinds of people from all around the world theoretically or or we got spammed we got some <laughs> i think some of your but some of your friends are in here we got some comments from people i think that know you Yes. Yeah. Andrea yeah. got a shout out from somebody. <laughs> That's Samantha. She uh, is also part of the Hope Grows team. Oh, okay. um, she's on the <laughs> right now, so she's cheering us on. <laughs> Go, Sam. Oh, I love it. Well, we all need cheerleaders. We all need cheerleaders. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, Sam, I agree. These ladies are great. These ladies are great. Um, what else? How about we go around? We're, we're kind of like, this is the time. Um, as short as it is, this is kind of cool. And I think for fun, thank you for this, because this is kind of, this will give me some insight how to do this. Um, but I want to go around and give everybody kind of a closing, you know, some closing thoughts. Um, and maybe I'll give you some prompts and then up to you, do whatever you want to do. Uh, but it could be, it could be just a, it could be a message to me for things to folks, something to look at, you know, what, what, you know, I'm hot on the trail. I'm trying to learn. So what, what should I be looking at closer? Where do you think are places I can make an impact? Um, or a message to the audience, people listening, you know, somebody else about the, you know, about therapy, maybe somebody's listening and considering therapy. Um, what are the, you know, what's a message to that person? Um, you know, what's the message if we had if we had a health insurance person on the phone, you know, what would be that one we could wave a magic wand with them? What would be the one thing or two things we could improve? You know, maybe not not talking about, you know, turning water into wine. Uh <laughs> just talking about, you know, turning a ten page billing report into an email, something like that. So I'll let you maybe we'll go around let's let's um man, that's yeah, that's loaded, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm the host. I, can get the, I don't have to think of the answers. I just think of the questions I, I would not. I would not want to have posed to me. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I guess I'll start. I guess. Yeah, um, and then let's what? finish with the boss. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. Let's let the <laughs> boss have the last word. Yeah. Um, so I guess for me is um, one of the most important things that I tell clients or just talk with clients about um, is to make sure you have a good fit with a therapist. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you go mm. to a therapist and it was like the worst experience for whatever reason. Really good advice. Um, yeah. And so I, I would encourage people to, well, and we know it takes a lot of energy and uh, resilience, resiliency mm. and great, you know, all the things to get you into the place or the virtual place yeah. there. So um, going through all that, just if you, if it doesn't feel like a good fit, try to find another because that's going to make rapport is the number one key to success. So I encourage people nice. to do that. Know that um, you're, and this is for me speaking, your therapist will not give you the answers. Mm -hmm. um, there, it's going to be a good sounding board because you are the expert as that person. Mm -hmm. To help mm. figure out those, you know, help navigate that. So, um, I love that. There's that, and then my always takeaway is that you know you're not alone in what you're going through, and there are mm. there are people out there who do want to support. To support. Mm. Beautiful, Abby. <laughs> Ria. Yeah. So, kind of following up on what LB said, I think getting people into the door is absolutely the first step. Sometimes it's, you know, doing the Google search or, you know, calling to make an appointment and it's very hard. And so yeah. I know that. And I really encourage people, even if it feels like it's impossible, like I don't have insurance, I don't know how much this mm. is going to cost, but just putting feelers out there. I know, um, I wasn't speaking up during the insurance talk because I don't accept insurance um, based off of my <laughs> licensure currently. And so I don't have, I don't have a hand to play there, but, um, but I know it's really hard and it's really expensive, but I also know that if you call our admin, 
we are going to do everything to get you yes. the resources to see, can we make it work within um, our practice? Like Andrew didn't really get to talk about safe mm -hmm. haven, but we have a foundation that is oh, serving yeah. this yeah. area. Um, so I'll let her dive into that more okay, in the back side, um, yeah. as a plug at the end. But, um, mm -hmm. but we have some resources that we can provide or we can refer mm -hmm. people elsewhere. You know, the number of times that our group me or different Facebook groups that we're a part of will just be signing off with like, Hey, I have a client that is looking for a psychiatrist in this area or is looking for support groups in this area. Like, even if you don't come in to see us individually, we still want to help you and get you connected to where you need to be. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that kind of encompasses the like, find a good therapist, but also like if, therapy's not in the works for you or this specific office isn't, mm -hmm. we can get mm -hmm. you connected somewhere else. I love mm -hmm. that. I, this is the key, right? It's just take that first step. Make, you know, if you're listening and you know, you're not feeling your best in your head, get on Google, find somebody, just make a phone call, figure, you'll figure mm -hmm. it out. You'll figure it out. You'll find just the momentum will make you unstoppable on your road. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anastasia. Yes. So I guess my message to everyone out there is the importance of changing intergenerational patterns of behaviors mm. and trauma. And to keep in mind that the way you are is because of the way you grew up. And mm, yeah. that is not something that you easily recognize on your own um, because <laughs> it's your norm. And unless someone is saying, hey, didn't that sound a little bit aggressive? You wouldn't recognize that. Um, mm. But in order for change to happen, not just for yourself, but for your children's children and your children's children's mm -hmm. children, and for not just mental health-wise, but um, medical and economic, you have to start somewhere, and it's all about the bigger picture, um, which is the generations to come and how you can make yeah. that change. Yeah, Anastasia, the, the, the biggest, the brightest spot, um, the part that just gives me so much, you know, joy, not joy, I don't know how to describe it, just uh, warmth or feeling good is how many people I've interviewed on the jar <clears throat> who have stopped the generational shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And it's just so like, you know, I stand there, you like, look at them and I go, y you stopped it. It ended mm -hmm. with you. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's not, amazing. it's not fucking happening at, you know, it stopped here. Mm -hmm. You know, it ended with my body and my mind. The shit that happened to me, done. Mm -hmm. It's not happening to anybody else. It's not, it's, or not from me outward. Mm -hmm. it's so right. powerful. I get chills just saying that story. You know, mm -hmm. just how many times that's happened where I'm just like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's not an easy thing to do to mm -hmm. that cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, to you got to do the work, right? You got to recognize. You got to do the work. You got to grind it. Mm -hmm. So powerful. Yeah, Andrea. Yeah. Last big boss gets the last word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I hate that term. Um, but <laughs> all right, the big dog. Yes, I just cringes. Oh. Well, hold on, you're in Al you're in Alabama, so I don't know. I was you know I can't say biggest Razorback or something. I, I... <laughs> yeah. So just like to piggyback off of everybody else, you know. Um, 
I think the big thing, like when you're really going through like the pits of it and it feels like, you know, things are hopeless and, and it's never going to get better. People get better all the time. Like people start out from exactly where you might be feeling like nothing is ever going to get better and everything is hopeless to, I mean, <clears throat> tomorrow, the next day, next month, next year, like you, you just make that phone call or you even like submit a little online appointment request. Like technology mm -hmm. is fantastic these days. You don't have to talk to anybody. Of, you just, yeah, just exactly. ask. Them. Yeah. As an introvert, I can really appreciate that technology. <laughs> I will avoid a phone call all day. So if you don't want to make the phone call, there are tons of places, us included. You can just like submit a little online request and never have to talk to anybody until you come in to talk to your therapist. Um, so <laughs> there are options out there. Um, it, I think it can be easier than we tell ourselves, you know, when we're like down in the depths of things. Um, and I think too, like, it can be really hard when you're hitting a lot of like systemic barriers and you're dealing with a lot of like mm. just the awfulness of a broken system. Um, yes. It can feel like there's nobody out there That's... that wants to be helpful, that cares about what you're going through. But there are so many people. I mean, there are so many just like amazing clinicians out there who mm -hmm. want nothing more than to just like sit with you and be with you and help you through it and walk with you through it. And I'm not even just talking about, you know, what hope grows all, just all over the place. Yes, um, yes. So like what LB was saying, you know, take the time, find the person that's the right fit for you. I am a big proponent of like counselor shopping. Um, so feel free, like yeah. ask for a consultation call, you know, or do a first session just to get their vibe and see, you know, if it's going to be a good fit because that is like mm. the biggest indicator of success in therapy is you just feeling comfortable with your therapist um and then little final plug for safe haven in terms of accessibility and this is only for alabama but um i think there are a lot of these like nonprofit organizations out there and a lot of the time they are teeny tiny safe haven mm. is a teeny tiny nonprofit um that honestly i co-founded with you know one of my best friends back in like 2016 and we've just been like grassroots wow raising funds um, just to make counseling more accessible. Uh, so what Safe Haven does is it offsets the cost of counseling services um, so that the client can pay what's affordable to them but on the flip side, the counselor also gets counselor paid a living wage. Um, and so that way everybody wins. Um, so if you're in Alabama and you need help, you know, reach out to Safe Haven. We are happy to get you connected with somebody. If you're in like Tuscaloosa or Northport and you need help, reach out to Hope Grows. Um, yeah. And like what Anastasia was saying, you know, um, it may be us, it may be somebody else, but um, we'll get you hooked up. You know, um, we're happy to provide yeah. resources. And I find that true of just about every counselor that I know. You know, if you're scared to make a phone call, um, or you're scared to make a lot of phone calls because you don't know who's going to be the right fit. If that person feels like they're not going to be the best fit for you, they're going to tell you on the phone. Um, and they're yes. probably going to have some recommendations for other counselors in the area that would be a good fit for you. We all know each other. <laughs> so, I mean, just make that initial phone call. They'll be able to tell you about most everybody does sliding scale fees, you know, and then there's nonprofits like Safe Haven. So there are just a ton of options out there. Um, so the thing is, is just kind of taking the first step. That's often the yes. hardest step. But if you can do it, it can make a world of difference. I And I've seen proof. I'm, I'm not... I mean, I can honestly say I would be one of those people who would have said, yeah, you ain't going to see me in front of sitting on anybody's couch. Ain't happening. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> not, not, not an option. Um, and, but I can see the work that's been done with people and 
I've heard the testimonies over and over and over again. So mm -hmm. for me, it's no, it's a no brainer. You know, if you're mm -hmm. feeling it, make a phone call. Mm -hmm. Easiest, hardest phone call you're going to make. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think for some people to mm -hmm. really pick up that phone. And I mean, asking for help is a tough thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think certainly the stigma around it as well doesn't make it easier. And then if you're worried about shit, I can't even afford a therapist anyway. Mm -hmm. You why you just you end up in just as just coming back inside yourself. I did want to show the Adam Project as well. Um, I just this is the AdamProject.org. It's another. This is one I mentioned earlier, um, Andrea. You might not have been on the call yet, uh, but this is basically a project which has free resources. Now there's no free therapists on there yet, um, although he does has found some free some therapists which are donating time. I don't think mm -hmm. it's on the project yet, but this is another resource. So if you're afraid to make the call, but you want to dive in and ask questions, this is a great place to go and poke around. A lot, a lot of stuff has been put on here and well-motivated by a friend who lost somebody to suicide, mm -hmm. which I've seen a number of people uh, really pour their hearts into this kind of stuff. It's, mm -hmm. it's amazing what, you know, it's, it's kind of weird when your life is tough and you take that choice to self-harm mm -hmm. and you're gone the impact it has on everybody else enough to where people quit their careers, change their lives. Mm -hmm. So what happened to their friend never happens to anybody else. Mm -hmm. It's just wild. Yeah. Human, I mean, the human condition of motivation, right? Yeah. Like that, that hurt was so bad for me because they left and I can't imagine the pain they were going through. So I got to do something. I'm going to, I'm going to change my whole career and throw all my money into this banana thing that I'm probably never going to make money at mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I want to do this. I, I just like, uh -huh. wow. And yeah. I met quite a few people on this show that are, that have done that. It's just so inspiring. Yeah. Thanks everybody for you. You, y'all were great. This was uh, so much fun. And I think anybody listening would have gotten, would have gotten their money's worth, you know, a little bit long. We're a little bit over, but I think for the, the size of the crew. Yeah. Um, first time through. I really appreciate it. And, and thanks for uh, experimenting with me. I, I do. I really appreciate that. LB, thanks for setting everything up. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for providing the platform to be able mm -hmm. to do this. Yeah. And to get some of the, get some of your, your ideas out there and, and I'll take this to heart on, on a couple of things. I've got some, I got some noodling to do and take away. Stick around. Uh, we're going to do a little commercial. Uh, I got one more commercial to run. Um, thanks again, everybody, for listening and supporting to uh, the Mental Health uh, Today show. Uh, this is really, I think, an important an important project, and you know, I'm just excited to keep interviewing great people, great professionals dedicated in their lives uh, to the crisis. And you can do some too by sharing and liking and uh, and comment and following all that good stuff. Thanks again. I'll see you on the other side. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. -bye. Thank you. Yeah, loose, baby. But we're about to go and make this vessel with these great professionals yeah. in public glass. We're not part of the community, but we're from the outer family of glass blowing. Yeah, we're going to go make a magical giant jar with optic lenses so that if you turn it, it changes all the time. So if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change.